in the office. Like I had tons to do, but I just had this pep in my step. I'm whistling everywhere uh, I go. Uh, I had to run some errands that day. And, and even though it was kind of chaos in every store I went to, for the most part, people seemed like pretty kind to each other, even though lines were like five times longer than, than we're used to. Um, uh, but there is just this, we're excited. We're, we're excited for Christmas, uh, uh, hopefully each and every year. Um, and, and, then, and then Christmas is over, you know, and then we look forward uh, probably to New Year's, um, and then that's done. And, and, and sometimes it gets hard after that. Like it's day after Christmas today, my guess is you still probably feel great. Uh, but I, I read an article uh, just recently about the, the post holiday blues. Um, and, and today we have snow on the ground too. So that gives us, I guess, e- even more reason to, to be excited out here. If you just moved up here, this is like a catastrophic event, the amount of snow we have. Um, seriously, if this snow actually comes, the news for like weeks, it's all going to be, they'll call it snowmageddon. It's great. Um, but, but the snow makes us smile, but eventually the snow is going to go away. You know, may, maybe your family that came in town, they're going to go away. Uh, eventually you got to clean up the house um, and she realized, like, man, I got returns I got to make uh, to the store. Um, a lot of people feel the, the post-holiday blues. Maybe, maybe not all of us, um, but you might find yourself dragging a little bit. On Christmas Eve, we talked about joy. We talked about the joy that comes from Christ. And, and on Christmas Eve, it's pretty easy to talk about finding our joy in Jesus. We, we feel optimism before we come into Christmas. But let's talk about joy and the source of joy now that Christmas has passed. If you weren't with us on Christmas Eve, I'm not going to rehash everything that we talked about. But, but one key, I think, is understanding that joy is different than happiness. Even though the two look similar, maybe it's hard to distinguish joy and happiness in a given moment. And, and happiness is great, don't get me wrong, I hope that, that all of us are happy people, but even more so, I hope that we are joy-filled people. Like if, if we know Jesus, we have so much reason to be filled with joy. Happiness is great, right? It's, it's fun, it's, it's good, uh, but happiness isn't nearly as developed as joy. Joy has a strength to it. Joy has this, this grit and toughness to it that, that keeps us rooted and, and grounded in Christ. Joy has a maturity to it, while happiness is, is fleeting. Um, but joy, it has a permanence, even when, even when everything is seemingly going wrong in life. So we're going to look at, at several places in the Bible that talk about the joy that Christians have in the Lord. I, I, I did shorten the sermon today. When I heard snow was coming, I was like, I don't know what it's going to be like, so I, I don't want to get snowed in here, which obviously that's not going to happen. But um, uh, we're going to dig into several different places that talk about joy. And like our video said today, our joy is a decision as Christians that we will, we will hope in the Lord, in what he has promised, that, that what he has said is true, and he will deliver on his promises. So Philippians 4, 4, Paul tells us, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And if you don't know about the Apostle Paul, this could seem like uh, this kind of pie-in-the-sky Christian saying, like, like, a, like maybe Hobby Lobby would make a sign with, with this on it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It, it sounds great on paper, 
right? That no matter what, we'll rejoice. But what about in the real world? Well, Paul didn't write this uh, while he was in some like plush, comfortable office. He, he wrote this while he was in prison, right? He was in chains. Paul spent around two and a half years in prison and then probably another two and a half years uh, under house arrest. Um, but that isn't the only difficulty. We know if we, we read our, our New Testament, Paul went through a lot. Uh, he suffered immensely for the sake of the gospel. Paul was beaten with rods three different times. He received 39 lashings five times at the hand of his own people. Uh, he was stoned, and, and if you don't know, uh, if you haven't read your Bible in a while, that doesn't mean he was on drugs, right? It means that they, uh, people wanted to kill him, so they took stones and they, they threw them at him until they thought he was dead, which would be such a horrible way to die. Paul didn't die. Right? They, they left him for dead, and, and, and Paul recovered from it. Uh, he had mobs that wanted him dead. There was uh, a group, I think it's in Acts 15, we read about this group of, of more than 40 men that took a vow that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. They, they, were, they, were going to, uh, they, they were going to ambush him as he was on his way elsewhere. All that to say that Paul was a man who knew hardship. Paul suffered in life. So that's the background when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, it, it, it means more than if I just said that to you on my own, right? You could look at me and say, Greg, what have you really been through? Like your, your life hasn't been that hard, and, and you're right. But Paul knew what it was to suffer in this life, and specifically to suffer for Jesus, for loving Christ, for deciding to put his hope in Christ. And he's the one that tells us, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, no matter the circumstance. He, he, circumstance. he goes on in verse 10. He says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now, uh, that now at length you've received, or sorry, you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is great news that for the Christian, our world could be falling apart. Our circumstances could be dire. It could be uh, a cancer diagnosis. Or, or someone making false accusations at work against you. Uh, it could be blatant persecution. It could be a uh, broken friendship. Your family, your marriage can fall apart. It could be uh, betrayal, whatever it is. Right? We, we, we will face sorrow and, and grief and disappointment and anger. And the Christian can still rejoice, Paul tells us. But he doesn't just say that, that we can Right? that it's, it's possible to rejoice. Right? He's not saying that, that, that if you follow Christ long enough and you reach this pinnacle of Christianity, that you too can have joy, that, that the most elite Christians can rejoice in the Lord always. No, he's telling all believers to rejoice. This is a command. Right? We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord as God's people. So if you've been following Jesus for one day or a lifetime, the command is the same, that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Right? And, and this doesn't mean, like the video said, it doesn't mean that Christians will not deal with pain, that we won't feel deep grief or sorrow. 
In fact, for the life of the Christian, I think that we're kind of always holding both joy and sorrow as, as we walk through this life. We have joy from knowing Jesus. We have joy from, from being saved from sin and death. We have joy knowing that our God will never leave us or forsake us, right? That, that, that Jesus will return, that he will gather his people, and we carry sorrow. We look around at this world, and it's broken. We don't have to watch the news or read the headlines for very long to have a whole list of things that we can feel sorrow about not to mention the things in our own sphere of life that we can feel great sorrow over. So we walk with joy and sorrow. Uh, Paul describes it like this in 2 Corinthians 6.10. He says, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. Uh, I shared just a couple weeks ago uh, about um, Roy Ware, a guy who was an elder at our church that moved away several years ago now, but Roy passed away just a couple weeks ago. There's sorrow there. I think about his wife, Judy. I'm, I'm sad for her. Uh, I think about uh, his grandkids and, and his kids that, I, that I've known for years, and, and they're, they're sad right now. And yet I've also spent time rejoicing knowing that, that Roy is with Christ. I thought about it a lot. There, there's mutual friends that, that Roy and I had and, and, and that, have, that died before Roy. And man, Roy gets to see those people now. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm jealous of, uh, of, of what Roy is experiencing right now. So, so we carry sorrow and joy. Just in my own life in the last like, month or so, um, God's given me a lot to... to He's helped me a lot to recognize the joy that I have in him, uh, that he is my rock, that he is our provider, just our, our family. Um, man, God's just, he's, he's, he's shown us in, in some real tangible ways how he's taking care of us, right? Every family's gone through hard stuff, I think, in the last couple of years. The past several weeks, it's been really easy for me to be thankful uh, to God. Uh, he's just helped me be really aware of, of his Provisions. So there's been a lot of rejoicing in that arena. And simultaneously, Lindsay and I know of two separate families, both in the area, um, that, that within the last month, they, they found out they had uh, dad in one family, mom in another family, both have brain tumors. Both went in for surgery right away. Um, the, the, the family with the dad, he's, he's 44, you know, just a little bit older than me. Um, had the surgery, I think within a week later, found out he's terminal. Right? He's got 14 months to live. So uh, Christmas yesterday, I'm like, man, is this, is this his last Christmas with his family? I've been praying for his kids. Uh, I've been praying that they will look to Jesus, praying for his wife, that she will trust in the Lord. I mean, there's, there's a lot of sorrow when I think about them, but there's also joy. It's been amazing to, to see this, this man, Matt, trust Jesus in this. He... Uh, he, he was on a podcast where he just kind of told the story of, of his life the last like five or six years. It was a three-hour podcast, listen to the whole thing. And, and it, it was just incredible to hear him talk about how God had been preparing him for this. So, so there, there, there's joy and sorrow kind of everywhere we walk as believers. And Paul, Paul understood how to rejoice in the Lord when life is good and, and when it was hard. And, and I wonder, do we? Uh, we have people marked with joy. As Christians, 
Man, we should be different than this world. We, we should be a people marked with joy. Or are we fair-weather Christians? Right? Have we quietly decided that, yeah, we'll rejoice in God when, when he gives us what we want. But man, when life gets tough, we're going to gripe about it. So Paul, how do we keep joy? How do we stay joyful when the world around us is in shambles? Well, here he told us, but it's easy to miss. And in 4.4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Right? What the Christian must remember is that our source of joy is the Lord. If I'm in Christ and he is in me, there's a constant relationship here. I heard someone say years ago, it, it's not a sometimes experience right? walking with Jesus. It's this constant experience because God isn't just sometimes with you. God is steadfast in his faithfulness to his children. Now, circumstances obviously in life change all of the time. And there will be times of plenty, and there will be times where it just feels like you're scraping by, and maybe you don't know how you're going to make it through the next day. But what is constant for the believer is that Christ never leaves us. We are always in Christ. He is in us. What better reason could there be for joy? There will be plenty of times in life that will be filled with pain, that will be filled with difficulty. But even then, the Christian has reason to rejoice because they have the Lord. So Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the one who came for you. Rejoice in the one who lived for you, in the one who died for you, in the one who defeated sin and death for you, who is coming back again, who will never leave you or forsake you. Rejoice in the Lord always. No matter what, we can rejoice. The psalmist in Psalm 5 uh, verse 11, he says, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them, let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. This psalm reminds me of where we just were in the book of Ruth. She sought, she sought refuge in the Lord. And the psalmist, he tells us that all who take refuge in the Lord can rejoice. Let them sing for joy as they hide under the protection of their God. And sometimes it feels like the world is just falling apart. But this picture here, this picture that, that we saw in Ruth in so many places is, is, is like the, 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 the baby birds coming under the, the mother bird's wings, right? And, and rain, snow, hail, whatever might be falling all around them, but they're protected under the wings, and it's the same thing with our God. When we are in him, man, he has us. Even if it feels like the very ground underneath us is unstable, God has us. We can trust in him, and we've got to remember that our joy comes from him. It doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from, from what we can manipulate in life to go our way. When we look within, so often we're just going to be sad. To find joy, we must look outside of ourselves to Christ. Because apart from Jesus, joy isn't just difficult to find. I think it's impossible to find. Everyone wants joy. Right? The, the world seeks joy, but in all the wrong places. Joy comes to us because Jesus sought us. He found us. He keeps us. So if you're living this life and you're wondering, why can't I find joy apart from Jesus? I, I'd say it's because it doesn't exist apart from Jesus. Joy is not something that we can conjure up. Or if there is joy apart from Jesus, it's not the same quality as the joy that Jesus gives. Joy isn't 
simply the absence of sadness. It's the present of it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces this joy within us. And so often he, he does so by humbling us. So that we'll take our eyes off ourselves and, and fix our eyes on Jesus. This isn't on the screen, but James 1 2 says, Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, right? He, he helps us remember. And it's, it's through these trials that God is building you. He's shaping you. He's making you more and more into the image of his son. Psalm 4, 7, we see both the quantity of joy and I think the quality of joy that the Lord gives to his people. The psalmist writes, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. The person who wrote this psalm is saying that, that God's put more joy in them than even when life is at its absolute best. More than when there is a ton of food and wine, or, or more than when your, your bank account is full, your 401k is, is brimming, more than the, than the day of your wedding or the birth of your children, uh, more, more than more than when you get to see your kids so excited over that Christmas present that they've been hoping for. Right? Money, relationships, presents, abundance of food and drink, all, all those, they're good. All right? and, and God tells us, in, enjoy them. They, and they do. They help us feel good. But as good as those can feel, it doesn't compare, the psalmist says, to the joy that the Lord gives us, that he puts deep within us. David is the, the one who wrote that psalm. He's the one that's telling us that the joy that God gives is, is, is better than the best that the world can offer. And, and David, we remember, he was a king. right? He wasn't hurting for material possessions. He was a wealthy, wealthy man. He, he had everything that he wanted. And when there was something that he didn't have that he wanted, he had the power to go get it. And he tells us that it's God who put the joy in his heart deep within him, not this outward surface level joy, but deep inside at the very core of who he is. And it's a joy that's, that's greater than circumstances. It's greater than, than happiness when I feel like things are going my way. Do you know God's joy? Like the, the, the joy described in Scripture, do you, do you know that joy? Is your life marked by that joy? Uh, a friend and I recently have been just talking about biblical joy. And, and both of us wondering, man, do we really know what it means to have the joy of the Lord? Or, or do we just kind of settle for this wimpy, pathetic, little underdeveloped joy in the Lord? Because I, I read the psalmist, I read throughout Scripture, and I, and I can't help but think that what, what I call joy is, is a little weak compared to how they talk about joy. Right? It's not that I don't believe them, but their joy just seems to be more robust than the joy I have. And, and then I hear stories of brothers and sisters uh, across the world in persecuted countries. Right? They're, they're losing everything. They're losing jobs. They're losing homes. Some are thrown in prison. Others lose loved ones for their profession of faith in Jesus. And, and yet you hear about the joy that they have. I read about underground churches in, in China and the assumption of, of pastors, elders at those churches that at some point they will be thrown into prison. Yeah, but they report joy. Man, I want to be filled with joy even when it seems like our world is falling apart, even when nothing's going according to my plan. Listen to Psalm 1611. He says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness 
of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man, fullness of joy. I'm not so sure that I have the fullness of joy that is in the Lord. I suspect that so often in life, I'm just rushed. I'm I'm rushing around. I'm, I'm easily distracted by what I want to do or what I think is important instead of just seeking the presence of the Lord. C.S. Lewis, uh, he's so helpful so often. He said this. He says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get uh, close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize that God, which, uh, which God could, if he chose, just hand out to everyone. Right, of course, he's right. I mean, if we want joy, I mean, we need to get close to the source of joy. God is the one who gives us joy. If we want the fullness of joy, we need to quit settling for a knockoff version of joy and go to the Lord. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is John 15. If you have your Bibles, you, you can turn there. John 15, this is uh, the, the vine and the branches where Jesus tells us that, that believers remain in him. We abide in him. The, the whole passage is great, but we're going to pick up in verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. In verse 11, Jesus explains the the reason that he's teaching them these things. He says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So I want us to notice three things from this. The first is that Jesus wants us to have his joy. And if this is his joy, do you think there's any joy that will be better? Any joy that will compare at all to his In chapter 14, he says something similar. Uh, He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, uh, gives do I give to you. The the peace that we have is from him. It's his peace. It's the same with joy. The, The peace that he offers, it's his very joy available to believers. And he wants that joy inside of us. The second thing he wants this joy from him to remain in us, right? He wants it to be permanent. Christmas Eve, I said, happiness is fleeting, right? Happiness isn't committed to you. It's here one moment and gone the next. Joy is consistent as we abide in him. And lastly, you'll notice that he differentiates between his joy and our joy. And his desire is, he says, that we would be full of his joy. And isn't that exactly what we want to Right? If we slow down enough, we know we don't just, we don't just want a little sample of his joy, but, but we want his joy in us to the point that, that we're, we're just filled up to the brim. We want the joy that God has for us. We want the fullness of joy that comes from knowing and trusting Jesus. This joy is his joy that he gives, us, he gives to us as we abide in him. We remain in him, and he grows this joy in us. It increases more and more, and we are filled with this joy that he wants for us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that, that you love us, Lord, that you came, that you, were, you came in the flesh, that you lived the life that we were supposed to live and, and could not live, that you died the death that we deserved to die. 
You rose from the dead and, and, and you offer us life. Lord, I thank you that you, you don't just offer us forgiveness of sin and, and life. Like someday you offer us life right now. And in this life, God, we know that we are to be a people that rejoice in you, Lord. Would you help us in that? Because sometimes we're just not good at that. Sometimes we're, we're just really good at griping, good at complaining. God, I pray that we would be filled with your joy, that, that Christians all over the world would be just marked as a people with a joy that, that doesn't make sense so much of the time. God, would we live lives that point to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.